Job 1 and 19 and Luke 13 verse 4. Job 1, 19, the book of Job 1, 19, and then you can get your place if you would in Luke 13 verse 4. Notice in Job 1, chapter 1 verse 19, Job's servant brought word to him or brought breaking news to him. Did you notice on the news there's always breaking news? Always. Breaking news, there's breaking news. It's just news alert, breaking news. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people and they are dead and I alone have escaped to tell you. Now notice what came across the wilderness A great windstorm, a great wind came from across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people and they are dead. That would make the news, wouldn't it? I mean, if the richest man in the east and a tornado came and his children are all dead, that would... So notice a a tornado, a windstorm, probably a tornado. Now in Luke 13, verse 4, In Luke 13, verse 4, Jesus is speaking here. And he says, are those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell? Notice the tower fell. That'd be breaking news, wouldn't it? And 18, in this case, on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them. Killed them. Do you think that they were worse sinners than than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem. But notice in this case, a tower fell and killed 18 people. Title in the message today, Tornadoes, Towers, and Tragedies. Tornadoes, Towers, and Tragedies. This message was on my heart to preach about three weeks ago, I guess. Two, two, I guess Sunday before last. Maybe the Sunday before that. And just, you know, the Lord can give you a message and, you know, you know with the Lord, there's, there's hearing from him and then there's timing. And, you know, he's, he, he should, the Lord should run the pulpits of churches. And so I've endeavored for the last 18 years to hear from him and preach and say what he'd have said when he wants it said. So I had this in my heart to teach about two weeks or so ago, the Lord just, I, wants it today for some reason whatever that is so we just follow him you need to learn to follow the lord tornadoes towers and tragedies now you need to realize this if you haven't realized this by now the earth is a dangerous place to live now it's beautiful Many good, wonderful things. But it's a dangerous place to live. I once said many years ago about flying. Flying, you know, in jet airplanes. I made the statement, I said, I want to stay down here on the ground where it's safe. (laughs) But if you think about all the people that get killed in these big jets. You know in those big jets, one of the safest places to be. Is that right? 
But I said, I want to be down here on the ground where it's safe. How many of you know it's not safe down here on the ground? (laughs) It's a lot safer up there in the air in one of those jets. Is that right? The earth is a dangerous place to live. There's tornadoes, there's earthquakes, there's poisonous snakes, there's, there's crazy people. Is that right? How many of you know there's crazy people that take guns and just go into shopping malls or schools and just start shooting or into churches? Is that right? It's a dangerous place to live down here upon the earth. And today I want to show you how to stay safe in the midst of a dangerous world. How to stay safe in the midst of a dangerous world. Now, someone might say or might ask, they might say, well, you know, what if a tornado or some other tragedy is sent by God? And there's a great scripture to answer that. Look at John 10, 10. John 10, 10. I realize several of you are familiar with it, but this is just a good thing to always keep in mind. Jesus said, the thief, who is that? That's Satan, that's the devil, does not come except to what? Steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and they may have it more abundantly. So this is very simple. If something is stealing, killing, or destroying, who's behind it? The devil, Satan. Is that right? The devil, is a, he's, a, he, he's, a, he's a thief, he's a murderer, he's a destroyer. If it steals, kills, destroys, the devil is behind it. You need to realize that. Now, someone might right here, uh, before I get in and show you how to stay safe in the midst of a dangerous world, someone might say, well, what about Job? What about Job? You know, that windstorm came and, and uh, you know, destroyed, killed, all his children were killed. Is that right? And there's a lot of other tragedies that happened to Job on top of that. What about Job? Well, much could be said about him, and I've said much about him over the years, uh, and much we could say, but for this message today, I just want to point one aspect of Job out. Did you know you can't handle Job in one message? It takes, there's many aspects of that, and, and uh, one thing about Job is, are you still going to serve God even when you may not understand why you're going through what you're going through? Do you understand that? But for this message today, we're talking about staying safe in the midst of a dangerous world. We're talking about tornadoes and towers and tragedies. Does anybody know what God had around Job? A, a hedge of protection. Is that right? And as you read the story of Job, it's clear that the devil... Now, now who's the stealer, the killer, and the destroyer? Satan, the devil, it's clear that he tried to penetrate that hedge and couldn't. If you read the story of Job, I mean, the devil knew it was there. And he said to God, Satan said to God, he said, you set a hedge around Job and around all his family and around everything that, 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 that he has. 
Did the devil know that was there? Yes, he did. He knew that hedge of protection was there. Evidently, he had tried to penetrate it to steal, kill, and destroy, but he couldn't. Now, people have asked me, they said, Pastor, why do you think the devil was able to get in there at Job? Well, there's, there's much we could say about it, but for this message, just one thing I want to point out. Job made a statement. He said, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. Now, let me just say this. How many has ever felt afraid in here besides me? See, we're, we're human. We're going to feel fear. But it's a, clear to me that Job had this. It, it, the Bible didn't say that, you know, that, that he just feared. He, he what? He greatly feared. He, he, he was obsessed with this thing. Evidently of losing his children, losing all that he had, you know, losing his health, essentially. He said, the thing that I greatly feared, greatly feared has come upon me. Understand this, fear will activate the devil just like faith will activate God. Did you get what I just said? So when you have, uh, you know, Job had this great fear and you say, well, well, how come the devil was able to penetrate that hedge? Much we could say, but for this message here today, one thing you could say is that Job had this great fear and fear will activate the devil, Satan, just like faith will activate God. Do you understand that? Now, I want to say one other thing to you and, and, and before we get into showing you how to stay safe in, in, in a dangerous world. What about the judgment of God? Did you know there is a judgment of God? Did you know that God does judge at times? Did you know that? Do you understand that? He does. One thing you learn about God, though, is God never comes in and just judges right away. He gives people ample time to repent. Do you understand that? How many of you understand that? You understand that? And the thing about God, when he judges, there's never collateral damage. You know what I mean by that? Isn't it interesting, you know, when a hurricane comes ashore and, and it just, I know some years ago, there was a big hurricane came ashore down in Louisiana and, and, and people were saying, some people were saying, well, that's the judgment of God. Well, first of all, that thing stole, it killed, it destroyed. So right there, we can say that it wasn't from God. But let me give you something else. Why is it if God was going to bring that hurricane ashore in judgment, why is it that little innocent children would be killed and the gambling casino right up the way was not touched? Hmm? You need to understand God is not a killer. 
He's not a stealer. He's not a destroyer. God is not going to, when that, when that uh, uh, EF5 hurricane hit Joplin some couple years back, you know, was that the judgment of God? No. Because it what? It stole, it killed, and it destroyed. What purpose would God have in leaving that one little gal that we helped support and did some nice things for? What purpose would God have in, in, in killing her parents and leaving her an orphan? What purpose would, what purpose would God have in having, having a, a young man, I think he was sucked out of the root, window roof of his, of his vehicle and thrown into a ditch and killed? That's not the God that we serve. Do you understand that? Yeah, well, God was after that casino and he hit that casino and, and he destroyed that. Did you ever notice a lot of times the casinos don't get hit? It's the, it's the innocent people around it. We don't have sense enough. No, God's not sending those things. And if God was going to judge a casino, first of all, he'd, give the, he'd warn those people somehow or another. And if he hit the thing, there would not be collateral damage. You know what I mean by that? He'd deal with the casino. He wouldn't kill the little boy across the street walking down the street. Did you, did you understand that? Let me give you just, just think about this. Noah, Noah was the, him and his family, the only righteous people in the earth. Now he destroyed the earth. God judged the earth, didn't he, in a flood? But the righteous Noah was saved. Is that correct? Is that right? Now think about this. Lot and his family were in Sodom. Is that correct? God, fire and brimstone, Sodom in judgment. We're talking about tornadoes, towers, tragedies. Did God judge Sodom? Yes. But did he get the righteous out before he judged it? Yes, he did. Um, Remember the plagues that God brought in judgment against the Egyptians? Remember God's people over in Goshen when they had, what, flies and frogs and all that stuff going on over in Egypt, there was a line, right? And judgment was falling in Egypt, but over here in Goshen where God's people were, there weren't any frogs or flies. Is that right? And it was dark over in Egypt. It was light over. Is that correct? So was there any collateral damage there? No. Do you remember Korah, that man that, in Moses' day that was rebellious. I'm going to say a little more about him in a moment. But you remember the people that followed him? Remember the ground opened up and swallowed them, but there was no collateral damage, was there? Remember Ananias and Sapphira? They lied to the Holy Spirit. They fell dead. Is that right? God didn't have the whole church fall dead, did he? He judged them. He dealt with them. We could, we, I mean, we could go on and on with this. There was a man in, in, in 1 Corinthians that was, was, was uh, living with his, step, with his stepmother and, and, and Paul said, deliver that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved. Remember that? Do you know that one form of God's judgment is he will remove his hand of protection? I don't want God removing his hand of protection from me. But when he removed his hand of protection over there in that fellow over in 1 Corinthians, he said, Paul said, deliver him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And evidently when, when they did that, because we see in 2 Corinthians, the man repented. Real loud say repented. repented. 
and he repented. See, when you repent, the judgment of God will stop. And then Paul said in 2 Corinthians, go ahead, let him back in the church. So there is the judgment of God, but don't get the judgment of God confused with the stealing and the killing and the destroying of the devil, okay? You okay? I just felt impressed that we needed to go, go over that before I taught you how to stay safe in a dangerous world. So here we go, for just four quick points. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. This could save your life. Understand the authority God has given you in the name of Jesus, Okay? You need to understand the authority God has given to you in the name of Jesus. Look at Colossians 2.15. Look at Colossians 2.15. Go there. Colossians 2.15. When Jesus was raised from the dead, this is the context of this. Notice what happened. Colossians 2.15, having... What's that next word? Disarmed principalities and powers. That's talking about demonic principalities, demonic powers, the power of the devil. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, in and through his redemptive work. But the thing we're centering in on this morning is Jesus has what? He's disarmed the devil. Isn't that wonderful? And then when he was raised from the dead, this is the context of this. When he was raised from the dead, he disarmed principalities and powers. Do you remember after Jesus was raised from the dead, he said, some authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Did he say that? Did he say some authority? Did he say a little bit of authority? What did he say? What? What? All authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Is that right? And then he turned to his disciples and he said, now you go in my name. Do you remember that? So first thing you need to know, if you're going to escape the tornado or the, the, the tragedy, whatever the case, Realize that you have been given as a believer, as a born-again child of God, you have been given authority in the name of who? Jesus. Jesus. Okay? Don't forget that. Now then, here's the second thing. You must understand, now I really want you to listen on this one. Because that first one we talk about a lot, but this one we don't say as much about. And if we don't do number two here, number one's not gonna work. I watch people use the name of Jesus and the cancer just eats their body up and they die. I've watched people talk to the storm in the name of Jesus and the storm blows their house down. Yeah, but how can that be? I thought the name of Jesus is all powerful. It is. We have authority in that name. But you better listen to what I'm going to say right now. Say, I'm listening. listening. 
you must understand that the authority that you have in the name of Jesus will only work for you if you are submitted to God. Did you hear what I just said? And most, most, capital M-O-S-T, Christians that I've dealt with over all these years are not submitted to God. They're going to do their own thing. They're going to get their own plan and ask God to bless it rather than get the plan of God and it's already blessed to start with. Look at James 4 verse 7. James 4 verse 7. Actually, this part of the message right here is the most important part. I want you to get this. It's all important, but this one would stand as more important really than the rest of it because the rest of it won't work if you don't do this. James 4, 7. Now, oft times we quote the second part of that. The second part of that says what? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's what, a lot of times that's what you'll hear. Resist the devil and he'll flee. But there's, that second part won't work if you don't do the first. What's the first? Therefore what? Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, let's just take a moment with this. First of all, when there's a tornado coming or some other tragedy or whatever, most of the time, God's people don't resist the thing. They ask God to do something about it. And they don't get results. You don't ask God to do something about the tornado. You don't ask God to move the tornado. You don't ask God to remove the sickness. He's already done all that and has given the authority to us to take care of that and that authority is in the name of Jesus. So when it comes to these things, you know, you're not asking God to to do something about the tornado. You resist the tornado. You don't ask God to do something about the sickness. You take the name of Jesus and resist it. Did you get that? Okay, but then, so, so most of the time, Christians, they start off by asking God to do stuff that he's already taken care of. Did this say ask God to, to resist the devil or did this tell us to resist the devil? Told us to do it. Okay, so, so resist the devil, but before you can do that, you must what? Submit to God. Don't ever forget this. You cannot exercise authority unless you are submitted to authority. You cannot exercise, you cannot successfully exercise God's authority in the name of Jesus unless you're submitted to God's authority. So you must submit to God and then resist. Jesus did that. Was he submitted to his father? Did he ever rebuke a storm? Did he ever rebuke a sickness or a disease? Did he ever rebuke a demon? And he never asked God to do anything about it. He did it himself. Is that right? And you say, well, that's Jesus. I understand. But let's talk about Peter. Peter did the same thing. That lame man at the gate, beautiful, he said, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Is that correct? 
Is that correct? Paul did the same thing. James told us to submit to God, resist the devil. So we must resist, but before that will be successful, we must what? Submit. Real loud say submit. And actually, when you're submitted to God, that is what puts you in the secret place of the Most High. Does anybody remember the 91st Psalm? It's it's probably the greatest Psalm of protection, probably the greatest passage of protection. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And you can read on down there how a thousand will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, and the plague will not come nigh. Is that right? Is that correct? Say, how do I get in that secret place? Submit yourself to God. Now, you say submit to God, Pastor. It's interesting A lot of people don't fully understand this. Do you remember I mentioned Korah a while ago? A man who was under Moses' authority. Would you agree with me that Moses was good, godly authority? We're talking about being submitted to God. You know, there's a lot of people that say they're submitted to God. They think they're submitted to God, but they're not. A lot of times people think they're submitted to God. They're not. They don't even really realize it. Was Moses good godly authority? Was Moses a tyrant? No. He was placed there by God. Is that correct? To be the leader. Is that correct? Is that right? Right? And Korah was this this man that was under Moses. And long story short, Korah wanted he, he was he was in the in the ministry. He, he was in the ministry. And uh but he just didn't like the way Moses was running things. Didn't like it. Didn't want to follow directions. Was obstinate. Stubborn. Didn't want to follow directions. Now let me ask you this. Can Korah be submitted to God if he's not submitted to Moses? Absolutely not. There's a whole lot of people that I've met over the many years. Are you submitted to God? I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about Christians that's been around the things of God for years. Are you submitted to God? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But yet someone that's in authority over them will make a reasonable request of them I don't want to do it that way. Now, is that person submitted to God? No. So they can resist the devil till they're blue in the face. The devil's not going anywhere. Now, listen to me, dear friends. This has nothing to do with a dictator running somebody's life. How many of you know ministers, pastors, people in authority? They should not be dictators. Say Amen. And they should be willing to listen and and be open to God, certainly, and listen to what people, reasonable things. Real loud, say reasonable. Reasonable. But eventually, the person that God puts in authority 
has to make a decision or a final call. And if that's all been done in line with God, listen, if that's all been done in line with God, wouldn't you want to submit to that? Wouldn't you? But not Korah. No, I can do it better. He doesn't, the old man doesn't know what he's doing. He, no, he didn't say those words, but that's essentially what he said. That was his attitude. And he got a bunch of folks to follow him. Long story short, what happens? The ground eventually opens up and swallows him down. Is that right? In the judgment of God. You know, being in a position of rebellion is a dangerous place to be. Because you see, rebellion is rooted in pride. And God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Am I saying you're supposed to be a doormat for a pastor or a spiritual leader to walk all over you? Say no. No. But you see, you can't be submitted to God until you're submitted to the people that he's placed in authority over you. And listen, if God has put somebody in authority over you, if God really put them there, wouldn't you want to be submitted to them? And then we wonder a lot of times why people are resisting sickness, resisting disease, resisting a tornado or whatever the case, and it just blows them down. So before the authority that God's given us will work, we must be submitted to authority. Is that right? You know, I was amazed. Uh, I guess it was a week ago Friday. Diana and I were sitting in our, well, we were in our basement because there, remember there was bad storms coming through. Now we had spoken to the storms before they got here. And I'm sitting there watching the radar and the newscaster. I don't know if it's Dave Murray or one of them. Might have been Mike Roberts, Cindy. I don't know one of them there. And uh, I'm sitting there, and it you know it, it was interesting because they had a tornado warning just just skirting us to the north, and one skirting us to the south. And they had it on the radar. There was red north, red south. I mean. I'm not saying I'm anything, but I mean, I'm just sitting there and said, Diane, do you see that? Yeah, I see that. Do you see? Yeah. You remember when Peter was in prison and the church prayed and he got released and he came and knocked on the door and they, and they couldn't believe he was there. What were they in doing? They were praying for him to be released. Is that right? He gets released and they're shocked that their prayer was answered. Have you ever done that? And I'm sitting there watching these storms miss us, one on the north, one on the south. And, I'm, and I've, we've done this for years and it still never ceases to amaze me. Thank God for his authority. Thank God for his authority. Thank God for his authority. What are we talking about? Tornadoes, towers, and tragedies. Now, there's a natural side to it, too. We've got good insurance. 
What if the devil blows the roof off your house? Well, what if he huffs and puffs and blows it down? Got it, got good insurance. We'll put it back. Better than it was before. Better, faster, stronger. Amen. Those of you who understand the $6 million man, you understand that. I'm talking about saving your life here today. What's the first thing? Understand there's authority in the name of Jesus. Second thing, you must be submitted to authority. Is that right? And then do you ask God to do something or do you resist it? You do it, right? Here's the third, just, just, just two more real quick. These next two will go much quicker. I wanted to spend some time on that second one. The third one is you must understand how to activate the angels of God. How many of you know we all have at least one angel, probably more? Much I could say about it. Look at Hebrews 1.14. Are they not all ministering spirits? Let's talk about the angels of God. Sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. Thank God those angels were working before you got saved. A lot of people wouldn't live long enough to get saved if the angels hadn't been covering your back. Is that right? But now that you're saved, do you know once you get saved, God intends for us to get in the word of God and understand how his kingdom works. How many of you know God will wink at ignorance for a while? He'll overlook it for a while. But in the process of time, we need to grow up and understand some things about how his kingdom works. Now, his angels are ministering spirits. How many of you know there's angels in here even though we can't see them, but they're here? How many of you glad they're here? Mm Mm-hmm. And I also believe that any ministry church that's called of God has an angel assigned to it. Amen. So this ministry has at least one angel assigned to it, maybe more. But we keep them active, protecting the church, protecting the property. Keep them active, protecting my house. I've got a burglar alarm on my house. See, it's a natural and a supernatural. I got a burglar alarm, but you know what? I, I, we need to have more trust in the angels than we do in a burglar alarm. It's like I believe in good hospitals, doctors, and medicines and take advantage of them, but you ought to have more faith in God than you have in those. Is that right? They're ministering spirits sent forth to minister. And then look at Hebrews 2 verse 3. It says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Now, certainly... that's talking about the salvation we have through Jesus, but an argument could be made because this is in the context of angels that how will we escape? Is this a dangerous world in which we live? How are we gonna escape and get through the dangers of this world if we neglect the ministry of angels? Now, you understand that Hollywood, did you ever notice how Hollywood paints the devil? Is that right? And remember, you ever notice how Hollywood paints angels? Fat little babies with wings. Now, since the devil's running most of Hollywood, we don't want to believe that. Is that correct? 
We don't believe that. You need to understand something about the devil. Have you ever seen the Wizard of Oz? You know when Dorothy the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, the Lion, and Toto come in there and, and they, see that, uh, they see that big mean face and all that fire. Now that's how the devil presents himself, but he's really that little puny man behind the curtain. Is that right? But you need to understand something about the angels of God. The Bible says when we finally get to see the devil, we're going to say, is that the man? Is that the worm that caused all the problem? But he presents himself in, in a... But, but he, now we need to understand he, he, he's, a, he's an adversary, all right? But we have authority over him, don't we? But the angels of God are mighty. And I could teach you on, for hours on angels and, and some of them have wings, some of them don't. And some of them are, are warring angels. Some of them, they're, they're worshiping angels and so on and so forth. But I do know this, that we've all been assigned at least one angel and probably more. And I want those angels operating on my behalf. How about you? Now, you don't, you don't command angels and talk down to them. You don't do that. But here's what you do. Look at Psalms 103.20. Here's how to keep the angels activated. Psalm 103, 20. Psalm 103, 20. Bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength. Aren't you glad they excel in strength? Much we could say about it, but they're strong. Who do his, who do his what? His that's talking about God's word, heeding the voice of his word. How do you keep your angels activated? Declare the word of God. Speak the word of God. Declare the word of God. Declare over your life that no weapon formed against me will prosper. Declare that. And now you've given the angels something to move on. Can you say amen? And much we could say. And then just be a person that declares the word of God. And then finally, we'll go to Luke 13, verse 4, and we'll, we'll close it up. This is back to what Jesus said. He said, are those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them? Do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men? who dwells in Jerusalem. So the tower fell and killed how many people? 18. Do you, and he says, do you think, the, because sometimes people say, well, yeah, it fell on them because they were sinning. They had horrible sin. They just horrible, horrible, horrible. But notice verse five. I didn't read it while I go on purpose because I want to read it now. Jesus said, I tell you, no. So did the tower fall on these people because they were worse sinners than other people? No, Jesus told us that. Oh yeah, that tragedy hit them because they're just so bad or whatever the case. He said, do you suppose the tower fell on those 18 people and killed them because they were worse sinners than other, other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, what did he say? He said, no. Didn't have anything to do with that. But then he says something else that is my fourth point. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. What is my fourth point, point to living safe in a dangerous world? Be a person of humility and a person of repentance. Be a person of humility and a person of repentance. That word repent, you know it takes, it takes humility to really repent. 
It, it takes humility to say, you know what, I was wrong, I made a mistake, and, and I'm going to turn from that. It takes humility. Pride, people that have pride in them have problems repenting. Because did you ever notice a lot of people have problem admitting that they were wrong? How many has ever had a problem admitting that besides me? That's a sign of pride. We've, all right, and pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. So be a person that, 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 that is humble, trainable, teachable. Did you know God can't work with you if you're not going to be teachable and trainable? He cannot and will not. He, he, can't, he, will, he can't work with you as long as you've got it all figured out and I can't learn no more. He can't work with you. That's pride. If you want to live safe in the midst of a dangerous world, you have to be a person of humility, a person of repentance. The Bible says Moses was the meekest man in all the earth. Why did God put him in such a high position of authority? Because he was a humble man. Not interested in usurping authority over anyone. He didn't even want a job. Is that right? But God set him in there. And one of the reasons is because he was humble. And we need to remain humble. And be people of repentance. When we miss it, be quick to repent, quick to forgive. If tragedy, if tragedy does strike someone, if a tornado does blow somebody's house down, don't have the attitude, well, I wonder what sin they committed. I wonder where they left the door open for the devil. There's probably some people here. Jesus actually answered that question. He said, he said that, that that tower, it fell on and killed those 18 people. Do you suppose they were worse sinners than anyone else? What did he say? He said, what? No. So when tragedy hits somebody, don't say, well, I wonder where they left the door open to the devil. I wonder, I wonder what sin they committed. Remember, because you see, we all have that within us, I think, in this human nature of wonder why something bad happened to somebody. Remember that man born blind and Jesus, his disciples said, Jesus, they said, Master, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus said it wasn't anybody's direct sin that caused it. Remember that? Sometimes sin did bring sickness and disease. But the point here is of this message is that when tragedy hits somebody, don't try to figure out why it happened to them. Don't try to figure out where they left the door open. How many of you know you've got enough doors in your life to keep tidy? Much less trying to clean out from somebody else's doorstep. Is that right? Is that right? Do you have enough dirt under your rug that you could get clean and try to figure out and help? Huh? Now, I'm not talking about aiding people. Didn't Jesus say before you take the, before you take the toothpick out of your brother's eye, first get the telephone pole out of yours? Is that right? Then, then go help them. But there's so many folks I've met over the years. Why did that happen to them? Why did that happen to them? Why did that, why did that happen to them? Well, just figure out why something's happening to you. Deal with your own door. Is that right? You got a full-time job taking care of your own door. Is that right? And, and when something bad does happen to somebody that's done you wrong. You listening now? If you're like me, your flesh will want to go, yeah, 
they finally got theirs. Now, is that humble or is that pride? That's pride. When something bad happens to anybody, and particularly when something bad happens to somebody that's done you wrong, you ought, to, you ought to be mournful over that and weep for them and be mournful and, and, and see if there's some way you can help them. Didn't Jesus say that we ought to pray for those who do us harm? Is that right? That first witch on the Wizard of Oz got killed by what? When the house fell? Well, what happened? What got that house going? Right back to my message. Tornado. And then it fell and it killed it. But, but you see, the point is, is remember when the second witch came in there and, and the good witch, good witch said, you better watch out, another house might fall. Remember what she did? And I've preached on this before. I tell you what, you start trying to figure out why houses fell on other people, guess what? Get ready because the next one's going to what? Fall on you. Just be a person of humility. Be a person of repentance. When something goes wrong for somebody, what does the Bible say? You who are spiritual, mature, don't put somebody down, but restore them. Amen? Amen. Did you get anything out of this today? So let's review. The first thing, real quick, is to understand you have authority in the name of Jesus. The second thing is what? Submit to authority. Is that right? Three, activate, know how to activate your angels. And fourth, be a person of humility and repentance. Praise God. You can stand with me if you would. My young assistant is going to come and close up the service. Amen. Praise God.